everyone, and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your home for basketball in WA, with an inside look at the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA basketball throughout the 2021-22 seasons. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian Newspaper, and throughout this year, I'll be joined by a host of guests to provide you with as much insight and entertainment as your basketball brain can handle. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by informed Perth Wildcats star Vic Law to talk us through his remarkable performances of late. Plus, retired former Perth Lynx captain Katie Ebsery will be with us from her home in Sydney to discuss her life after basketball and her amazing career. But first, how about Monday night? Cotton for the win! Yes, it was an amazing finish. Bryce Cotton put on his Superman cape, hit yet another buzzer beater to win the game for his team. And I reckon we take it for granted sometimes how good he is to nail high-pressure shots to win matches. We just expect him to do it. It's one thing to do it with a player's drawn up for you and have everyone on the same page. This one was random. It was just a case of he won the rebound, charged down the court, and see what happens. He is the master of big-time shooting. The Wildcats' road trip is now done and dusted. 14 consecutive matches on the road, and they finish with an equal record 9-5 for the club in a 28-game season in a feat that has them ideally positioned to attack their nine matches at RAC Arena. Elsewhere, the Lynx were up and down during their four home games, and they're back on the road, but the WNBL, I reckon, is facing a bit of a reality check about the importance of ticking every single box, dotting every I, crossing every T when it comes to the integrity of a season. We have to acknowledge they've had a lot of challenges with COVID, making it hard to put out a fixture. But they did jump around between the number of games that were going to be played before settling on 17, and the Lynx are going to play 16 after one game was cancelled. We've got the four finalists locked in, but we know they won't have played each other the same number of times, which makes the draw compromised, and that will play a huge role in the final ladder positions. On top of that, the decision to allow Canberra to keep their three-point victory over Sydney Union Flames in round one, despite coach Paul Gorris and referee Simon Cozier both being suspended for working together to get secret vision of how the Flames were preparing, that looks even worse right now. So it's pretty obvious that home court advantage is going to be decided by the fixture and by that decision, which is not ideal when you're trying to get through a season. Well, let's get into the interviews for this week, and our first guest is in extraordinary form. Vic Law, step back three. Bam. That looked nice. Wildcats running. Great pass. Too easy in the end. Cotton finds his running mate, and Vic Law just doing whatever the hell he wants. Gets a great pass to Law, who gets to where he wants to go and he's done it all night so we should not be surprised yes we should not be surprised he's dominating at the moment Vic Law welcome to the Dribble Podcast thanks for having me now this is a bit random you played in Hobart last night you'll be in Perth in a few hours but right now you're in Sydney you guys are finding a way to get around the country aren't you no, absolutely. I feel like I've uh, seen every part of Australia other than Darwin, maybe. But uh, we've been everywhere. So you've been playing a bit of Uno, you were telling me, throughout your layover in Sydney. So how many times have you looked at the game, though, since you've been there? And look back on the last maybe 10 seconds with Bryce going nuts. <laughs> I uh, we I think we all had enough time last night. Our rapid reactions after the game was, you know, obviously celebrate that and be super excited. But you know, I think now we're moving on, and now we're just I'm just excited to get back to my apartment in Perth. So I'd love your perspective on the chaos of the finish because you you closed out on Finn Delaney, putting pressure on him to make sure that he didn't have an easy shot. Didn't get, it left you with no chance of competing for the rebound. So Bryce wins the ball immediately. What's your thoughts after he had the ball in his hands with six seconds left? I don't know. You know, I, honestly, I was just trying to full sprint down the court and give give myself a chance to be in position just in case anything happened or they needed me. 
Um, you know, I, I full sprinted down the court, went past Delaney and, and Wetzel, and hadn't even turned around looking at the ball. And uh, as I as I tried to get position, I saw Bryce shoot and get fouled, and it was just a sigh of relief. And then seeing the ball go in, um, I guess that's why you signed in Perth, right? <laughs> have moments like that. That's exactly right. So we've seen him do it so many times. That's the first time he's done it since you've uh, had the match-winning shot in, in games that you've played with him. When he took off, did you think he was going to go the length of the floor and have the shot, or were you trying to get into a position to be an outlet pass in case something went wrong? To be honest with you, I was so tired. I was just running straight down the middle of the court trying, trying to clear out space or something. I, I, I have no idea. I, could, I can't give you a clear answer of, of what I thought I was doing, but um, I'm just happy he got the rebound and made the shot, to be honest with you. New Zealand played about as well as you can ask for Hassan, Abercrombie, uh, Siva. I mean, they were making all kinds of shots down the stretch of that game, and so I'm just happy that when it came time to make big shots, we were able to step up. And you had the big moment yourself, obviously, during regular time to make sure the game even got to overtime. At that last play, which was vastly different compared to the Bryson, where it was it was a bit more random, you had a chance to have the play drawn up. Was that Did that go to plan? Was that exactly how, how you guys were anticipating it, or were you taking what the defence gave you? Uh, I mean, Scott gave us a couple options, um, and I was one of the options, you know, that, that pinned down and, and seal. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I was option one, but it was really just make a read to what the defense is going to give you. And I'm glad Todd saw me in the middle of there, and uh, I got to my spot. Did you feel pressure at that moment once you get the ball in your hands, knowing the game's on the line? Uh, to be honest, I think I've, you know, I've had enough uh, chances this year. Um, I had the chance against Brisbane to, to beat them, and I had a chance against Sydney. So, you know, I think I've had enough chances uh, of messing up to, to finally – um, know how to get it right. So no, I didn't feel too much pressure in that in that particular moment. So you mentioned the Sydney one. A lot of people were talking about that after the game um, because it was 11 seconds remaining when you, when you took the shot and it didn't come off. Most players like yourself who are elite tend to stew on things, I reckon, when they don't go their way. Uh, have you been waiting for the chance to get another defining shot in a game? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I, was, I, was, I haven't been waiting on one, but, you know, if, if there's a... If you're in a game where you have to get a defining shot, that means the game's too close. But um, I think more than anything, I would just, you know, I've been watching film and I'm watching all of the games back over. And uh, after that Sydney game, just kind of seeing that uh, that probably wasn't the best read at this time. Just, just take that shot and uh, just owning it. You know, I, you know, I don't shy away from any criticism or any um, open discussion. So, you know, just as, as a basketball player, holding myself to a certain standard, I feel like I could have gotten a better shot at that moment. But you learn from it, right? Like, you know, the moments like that make the ones like last night, um, they help you. They help you grow, and uh, they help the ones like last night go in. So I'm happy to have them. In an absolutely insane form when you look at what you've been doing since that Sydney game. Like, it's gone 22 points and 9 rebounds, 19 and 13, 22 and 10, 20 and 18, 24 and 8, and then 39 and 7. That's an average of 24 points and 11 rebounds since the Sydney game. What's been the secret to what you've been doing at the moment? Uh, I don't think there's really any secret. I think we, um, after that Sydney loss, I think that was the, uh, the three in a row skid, right? That, and then the Southeast Melbourne game. And, um, clearly we needed to pick up our level of intensity and just our level of play. And to be honest, Perth didn't sign me to, to go on the losing skid. I know it's not all on me, but I just felt like my level of intensity wasn't up to par. Um, during that stretch, especially if we were going to be on the road for so long, right? Like, we all know playing on the road isn't easy. Um, every team in this league is going to play as hard as they can every night. And something about playing at home, you know, role guys and, and you know, 
kind of bench bench players tend to make more shots and feel a little more comfortable when they're at home. So we just had, you know, that long stretch on the road. So I, I thought we all needed to pick up our level of intensity. And the only person I can truly control is myself. So I really wanted to take a step forward and, and raising my level of play. So have, have you changed your positioning at all? Because your rebounding appears to be a bit more of a, a real focus, given the team is desperately looking for someone to, to rebound more. Have you gone from a scoring player who rebounds to a rebounding player who scores, which is a, a pretty significant difference when you talk about those two things? Uh, no, I would just consider myself a basketball player. You know, I, I uh, just try and do whatever the coach needs me to do. Scott has told us rebounding is a, is a key for us to win, and if that's what the focus is, and that's what I'm gonna try to do. Right? Like, you know, I don't want to go into any game trying to think I'm not gonna rebound today or I'm gonna rebound today. You know, I try to put myself in position and try to box out each and every play so that I give myself the best opportunity to rebound. You know, not, the ball is not gonna always bounce to you every play, but all you can do is put yourself in the best opportunity to get it. Have you enjoyed the, the focus that put Scott? has been putting on people to, to get more rebounds. Obviously, with Matt Hodgson out, it puts a lot of pressure on everyone. Are you enjoying that challenge of going up against blokes who are a, a lot bigger than you? Man, I, don't, I don't know. I've been rebounding over people twice my size for my whole career. It hasn't really been anything new last year in Brisbane. I led us in rebounding, and I wasn't definitely wasn't the tallest player on that team. So now I don't, I don't, I don't look at size as, as any kind of determinant of rebounding. There's another another interesting element to you this season with the reports midway through February around that that Sydney game actually that a Russian team was trying to lure you away from the Wildcats. Was that was that a difficult time to to be uh, obviously another team chasing after you and trying to be playing at the same time? No, a lot of teams contact me and contact my agent about uh, possibly playing and possibly getting bought out and stuff and. That that's just the reality of, of the, you know, the sport. And uh, when you're talented and young, you know, teams are going to reach out to you and try to pluck you. But, you know, I, I feel too close to the group and I really respect Scott and Danny and the things they're doing in Perth. So that wasn't really an option for me at this time. Um, I just want to focus on, you know, where I'm at right now and continue to win. Like, as you can see, I'm 100% locked into playing right now. It's ironic, isn't it, how the world's changed. And um, you wouldn't want, I don't think anyone would want to be in Russia at the moment. It's, Bryce often says it's a lot safer in Australia than it is in a lot of countries when you're playing basketball and this is definitely a case now where it's a lot safer Absolutely. playing here than anywhere else well given your form and what we've been talking about this is a very good time to announce our dribble podcast mvp votes for the last couple of games so against melbourne and with apologies to majuk majuk who was stiff to miss out it went one vote to bryce cotton two votes to mitch norton and three votes to our guest vic law for 20 points and 18 rebounds he was remarkable then against brisbane it was one vote to mitch norton two votes to bryce cotton and three votes to vic law 24 points and another eight rebounds and in the remarkable win over New Zealand it was one vote to Mitch Norton again and when trying to separate Cotton and Law it was difficult but in the end I've decided the only way you can separate them is by deciding who hit the match winning shot so sorry Vic it was two votes to you and it was three votes to Bryce for 32 points nine rebounds eight assists and two steals plus the basket that won that game how much are you looking forward to being back in Perth and playing in front of your own crowd given there was there wasn't allowed to be anyone there last night like you must be excited about having a real crowd again no yeah i'm super excited to be back in RAC arena um see the crowd i'm not sure like what it'll look like with the restrictions and stuff but i'm, I'm really excited to just be back in our home arena have the home fans who are so great to play in front of um and get back into my daily routine how difficult has it been that routine side of things like yeah, even though you haven't really lived in perth much like you would have been traveling so much and not having a real home is it important for you to be able to just live a bit more of a normal life no, I mean, I was in Perth long enough to establish, like, my everyday routine and habits, you know, uh, getting my shots up, knowing exactly, like, where I could go to get my workouts in, the game day routine, having your routine at home. And then when you're, you're constantly in the road, you know, you're in Tasmania, then you're 
playing in Cairns and you're going to Melbourne. It's just, you know, it can, it can mess up a lot of things and, I don't know, it can take you out of your rhythm. But I'm happy to be going back. I'm happy we finished strong, finishing 9-5 and five on the road, um, which I saw had, hadn't been done for a decent amount of time for the Wildcats, especially our five-game streak. So I'm just happy we, we finished off on, on a high note. Do you feel like this is a different portion of the season now? Can you block it up and go, right, we had our five games at home to start, we've had our 14 now, and now it's another nine to come. Do you, do you look at it in segments of a season at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, more so for me, I look at it in just the two halves of the season. Yeah, you know, I think we finished our first half and then we finished our road road tangent. Now it's time to get back on the on, get back to our home stretch and uh, take care of business. You know, we still haven't played enough games to not finish 500, so we still have a lot of work to do. And how do you reckon New Zealand are going to react to last night when you play them again on Sunday? Uh, I'm sure they're going to be fired up. You know, I can only imagine that they're going to uh, do everything they can to to correct their mistakes and look back at the film and really try and sure up their holes. Um, so. I'm, I'm expecting a, another battle. They're a vastly different team to the one that we've seen for most of the year, and mainly it's due to personnel. They had a lot better players to put on the floor last night than what they have been for, for most of the season. Did, were you expecting that sort of performance from them? I mean, they were definitely making shots last night, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think New Zealand has a, has a great roster. I think they have a ton of talent. I think, you know, they've obviously been hit with being on the road just like us, and I, we, I know how hard that is. Um, maybe not to the extent of them because, you know, at least we get to go home every now and then and see people. Uh, so I chip my cap to them and their resiliency. But, you know, New Zealand's had injuries. They've had all kinds of things you can go back and forth about to say excuses. But they have a good team. You know, they're solid. And uh, they're, they compete every night. So, you know, we'll be ready for them on Sunday. Now, I mentioned, I've mentioned multiple times we've seen some remarkable performances from yourself this season. But one of the great performances I've, I saw was at the airport when you got back from the, what was it, nine weeks away. And our cars were parked side by side. And I still have no idea how you managed to fit all of your luggage, Michael Fraser's luggage, your partner's luggage, a full bag of basketballs and three people into your car. It looked so grim at one stage I offered to take the basketballs and drive them off to Bendat Basketball Centre. I think that would have broken a few quarantine rules. Are you a good packer? Are you a Tetris master or something like that? That was quite extraordinary that night, how you managed to fit everything in the car. Oh, no, nah, man. We, I've just you know, had a ton of experience travelling. And so, you know... When uh time when times get tough, you know you just try to figure it out. I'm happy my uh, uh or uh, Mike's <laughs> camera could get our all our bags in there at once. Cause boy, were we ready just to get home. <laughs> when, when did your partner get to Australia? Uh, I want to say like February 5th. And will she stay for the duration now? Because uh, it's obviously been difficult getting people She's in here, and out of here. No, for sure. She's here until March 30th. So what's been that? What has that been like for you to finally have her joining you over here? Yeah, man, it's been great. I would uh say just having a piece of home just here with me finally just made it a little bit more comfortable to be so far away from Chicago um, and you know she's one of my biggest supporters so just whenever I feel I guess a little bit frustrated or disappointed um, just about the way life is going she always reminds me um, of some of the positive things and uh, you know it's just good to have to have your partner in It's obviously been difficult for a lot of the partners who were stuck over here but what was it like for her being in a new country and having to adjust to different states and different places different side of the road to drive on and you not being around all the time like was it hard even just having her over there for helping her settle in uh, no carla's super outgoing and you know she figures things out she's very resourceful so and, you know carla was super excited to get over to australia and, and learn the new culture and see like how things are done over here so it wasn't too hard you know she she picked up the driving in about a day or two at least i'm hoping because she's driving my car so other than that you know she's uh she's doing she's doing fine 
she's loving her experience so far. Anything you're looking forward to doing in Perth now that you're going to be living here for without having to jump on a plane for a while? Uh, I'm going to go out to Swan Valley and, and do some of the wine tasting. Um, go to some of the beaches and, and really just relax. You know, finally be back in my own space. What you, you're living around Scarborough? Have you, have you enjoy, had the opportunity to enjoy Scarborough Beach much? Yes, uh, you know, I, I like I love going to Grotto and just walking along that boardwalk and the beach. Yeah, you've certainly found a nice area to live. Well, we do have a segment on, on the Drill Podcast called This or That, where we ask a basic question. You jump to one side of the fence or the other, and we saw the bizarre scenario on Monday of Oklahoma City and Memphis walking out into court to play each other in the pretty much the same white uniforms, and white has become a fairly standard go-to alternate as an option for teams. Do you think white is good and it makes it easy for everyone to work out in terms of what to wear as the opposition team, or should everyone just pick two colours and try their best to make sure they don't clash? Uh, I think I think white is a cool color. I mean, I think you know that should always stay in the standard lineup for uh, jersey rotations. But I don't think that was a blunder between the Grizzlies and Thunder. It just became a bit of a debacle in the end, didn't they? Just didn't realize yeah. who, who was wearing what. So it's quite, the looks on their faces was quite funny. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Vic. It's obviously a, a, a short stay over, or it might be quite a long stay over for you in Sydney as you're waiting for your flight. So we really do appreciate it. You're in an amazing form, and hopefully the Wildcats can charge into yet another final series based on that, and we can. See you hopefully having a good crack at the championship. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll see you back in person. Now, before we go any further into this podcast, now we must acknowledge the pain being felt by many in the WA basketball community following the tragic death of Aaliyah Riak, an important member of the Warwick Senators from juniors through to NBL One West. He was a games controller for Basketball WA and a former Perth Wildcats Academy member. Uh, Aaliyah was stabbed in Melbourne while out celebrating his birthday uh, and has hit a lot of people hard in this state. So we offer our condolences to everyone who knew Aaliyah and we just hope that you can get through this difficult time. Um, his story unfortunately is a tragedy and uh, it's a life taken too soon. And now it's time to enter the lair with this lady. It's cut back to two the difference. Ebsery with the reply. Ebsery looking for three and makes it count. Forces the turnover. Ebsery completes a perfect play for Perth. Yes, yeah, she's a veteran of more than 300 WNBL games, two Olympics, a World Cup, multiple All-WNBL first teams, and multiple Perth Lynx MVP awards. Katie Ebsery, welcome to the Jewel Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, it's been five months since you announced your retirement, seven months since you last played with that Olympics. What's it like being a normal human being again? <laughs> it's um, It's been really great. Um, I've kind of managed to to go straight into some full-time work pretty much after home quarantine after Tokyo so you know I've, I've made that transition pretty well as I've been pretty busy um, with a new teaching position so no it's been nice nice to have some weekends not in a basketball stadium so I'm really yeah really enjoying it at the moment for sure. So what sort of teaching are you doing high school primary school what, what's your class what do you do? High school uh, PE so theory and, and the practical side of it as well. And how do you go being the one in charge of things as opposed to being told what to do by the coach? Are, are they as disruptive and, and annoying as what coaches probably think of players? <laughs> I guess to some extent it is a bit different uh, being being in charge, I guess. But I quite like it. I like that we do, you know, a range of different sports. Um, and, you know, the kids always get involved in PE, whether it's PAC. I also like all the, the theory content we cover as well. Uh, no, so it's been really enjoyable uh, and you know, there's some challenges, for, uh, of course, but uh, for the most part, it's it's pretty, yeah, it's been a really good, uh, really good period of time. 
And do they know who you are or are you a teacher? Do they actually understand that they've got a dual Olympian you know, teaching them PE? Uh, I guess it kind of it's, it seeps through sometimes. Um, so they, yeah, they've slowly started to pick up that was basketball was kind of, yeah, what I did in the past and, um, and Tokyo. So occasionally I get some questions about it. I wasn't, I didn't really come out and, and tell them directly, but um, yeah, they're starting to, to get the idea now. Yeah. Even li- listening to you now, your voice sounds different to when when you're a player. Like you're you're an intense and dedicated and professional athlete, as as professional as an athlete I reckon I've ever seen. The amount of times I'd be at the basketball center and um, doing an interview or wildcast training or something, and you'd be there by yourself working on your craft, making sure that you were absolutely prepared was just amazing. It stood out. And then in Sydney, when you were up there for preparing for the Olympics, it was just you. Like, how hard was it being just you when you built up to those Olympics? And just you sometimes on court when you're preparing for any sort of situation. What was it like doing that sort of stuff so intensely for so long? Yeah, I mean, you know, it just, it was a part of just, yeah, my process. I needed to be confident in my preparation. Uh, And so that meant for me, you know, getting up extra shots multiple times a week or just taking that time to do the extra stuff to make sure that when I was on court, you know, it was all muscle memory and um, I could, you know, call on those things I'd already practiced. So it, you know, in ref- on reflection, you know, a lot of reflection after retiring, obviously, yeah, those, those moments are particularly, they can be particularly difficult. And I guess over, you know, a 15 year career, um, those types of things just got harder and harder as the years went on. Uh, the motivation to do those things, it takes a lot uh, to remain that motivated and engaged um, and to do all those extra kind of sessions and to make sure that you're the best possible player you can be when you step on the court. So, yeah, definitely to, by the end of it and training basically on my own before Tokyo uh, was super draining and obviously, you know, really contributed to just knowing that 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 motivation had really been lowered for me uh, and I couldn't kind of put that same effort into it as I had for most of my career. So, yeah. So was it easy to switch off once you were – I just once you decided in your own head that you were retired, which was I think I think a couple of months before you announced you, you were retiring. But once you knew, could you switch off, or did you take a long time to to wind down into being a bit more like the rest of society? Yeah, I mean it it it, ta- it took a while, but to be honest, I was pretty I was pretty burnt out by the time yeah Tokyo finished. I just needed a rest. I I hadn't done any exercise for probably six or seven months um, post Tokyo. Uh, just because I, I literally just couldn't bring myself to do anything, uh, which is so unusual for someone that's gone from being an elite athlete to to not really having the motivation to do any exercise at all was uh, was interesting. But I needed to yeah listen to my body at that stage. Um, so no, it didn't take me long. But I think I was just at a point where my body needed some rest and uh, my mind needed some rest as well. So I was quite happy to to have the rest. To be honest. When, when you retired, you wrote a fascinating column for Players Voice where you really opened up about yourself and said, I wish I'd been kinder to myself um, throughout your career. And I reckon a lot of people are like that. Everyone's hard 
on themselves when they're when they're playing. Um, how easy was it for you to, to finally get that out of yourself, or was it really difficult to write? Oh, it was very difficult, <laughs> very difficult to write. Well, probably not difficult to write. Uh, that came quite easy, but actually difficult to share it. I guess. Um, yeah, as I said, there's you know been a lot of reflection probably in this last you know twelve to eighteen months um, of my career. And, yeah, it was somewhat healing to be able to put that together. Um, and I just wanted to to share it in hope that it would provide some vocabulary for other people that might be going through similar things. I know, you know, these are only things I've kind of come to terms with in the last few years of my career. So if it could help someone that's just starting out or kind of halfway through their career to kind of notice some habits and, and make some changes a bit earlier, that was that was definitely kind of the goal with, with sharing that story for sure. It was really interesting the past four games that the Lynx have had over here being home games, and we haven't seen the Lynx at home for two years before that. But they form, they were forming a, a small circle in the middle of the court pre-game, and Taya Burrows goes in the middle, and they all push her around and treat her like a rag doll and have a bit of a muck, muck around and a bit of a fun with it. And it's not what we've seen from a lot of sports over the years where the, you know, the, the intensity and the mental preparation has to be, you need to be switched on the whole time. How have you found... Um, the change in mental preparation and the enjoyment that people want to bring to the game before the matches to try to relax them a bit more. Was, it, was that something you were able to embrace or did you find that as strange as what, what a lot of people like myself have found, that it's not necessarily what we were trained to do? You know, I think people, you know, you do your, your preparation. I think there's definitely a place for, yeah, those moments where you can just release the stress a little bit. You don't want to be too heightened or stressed going into, into an already stressful environment so you know I think finding ways to to make sure there's enjoyment in in the basketball and a bit of fun because it's still meant to be fun um even though you know it's a professional sport I think just finding those little moments where you can have that uh is really important whether it's in training or at the beginning of a game before a really intense kind of battle on court I think it's really important and just kind of helps people level out a little bit before going into intense situations doesn't have to be always heightened you know there can be a real balance and I think I think sports are starting to realize it can't be intense intense 100% of the time there needs to be better balance to help yeah individuals be able to cope with some of the stressful situations they face. Hey talk about stress I, I still can't get my head around the fact that you were 15 years of old when you left home and moved to Canberra to go to the Australian Institute of Sport I've got a 14 year old daughter at home and there's no way known she'd be leaving home to go anywhere outside of WA, maybe even not even down the road. Um, you're supposed to be working at Coles or Maccas at that age. Does, does it blow your mind that you were doing that now when you look back? Yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, um, yeah, as I said, there's been lots of reflection. It does. And, and believe me, my parents didn't want me to go. Um, I was just adamant and I believed that that opportunity might not happen again if, if I said no. So the consequences were too big for me for me to possibly say no uh, even though I definitely wasn't ready or mature enough to to have that experience or move away from home, yeah. But it's definitely such a hard when a carrot like that is dangled in front of you. 
uh, it's really hard to say no to. And and my parents supported me in, in my ability to want to do that. Um, and obviously led to, you know, some of my experiences as well. So, yeah. But in hindsight, I definitely at 15 wasn't ready to go do that and move away and, and try and compete for a WNBL spot every week. It was, yeah, it was a bit crazy, to be honest. But as you said, it worked out because you went to two Olympics, which uh, not many people can say they did. How do you compare the highlight of going to the Olympics uh, and the team not necessarily having the success that you wanted from a medal side of things to winning that silver medal at the World Cup? Like one thing is you've got the medal to show for it. The other thing is probably rated higher in the way in everyone's own minds about just even just going there. Like what do you look back on with the fondest memory? Oh, I mean, definitely that, you know, I mean, going to an Olympics is a massive deal for sure. I think the special thing about that World Cup um, and the silver medal was just how well we played. Like we gelled so well that tournament. We had an amazing preparation, which is a massive key, obviously. Um, and to beat Spain in Spain in a semi-final was obviously, you know, the ultimate. Um, so it was such a stressful situation. Uh, the way we played, we played really great defense, um, and our offense just kind of flowed from that as well. So, yeah, it was it was a very memorable experience. Obviously, silver medal is always going to be memorable, but the way we played and and the way we got into that final was um, was pretty special and memorable as well. Luck, I don't reckon, has been on your side from a WNBL perspective. You decided you wanted to have one year in Russia to to experience what it was like to play in Europe, and the year you left the Sydney Uni Flames, I went and won the championship, and now you've retired, and the links are in a a good position to, to challenge for a, a championship as well. Do you look at it at it all and go, oh, one more year could I have got through? They were forming a pretty good team as you started to announce your retirement. Like, Do you have any thoughts at all, any pings of going, I wish I'd waited a little bit longer and maybe tried to, to get one more year out of myself to win one? Oh, look, no. I just, yeah, I didn't have it in me. Um, and I had been having those conversations for quite a while before... Yeah, bef- way before the start of this season. So, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously they're doing really well. I thought we had really made some good foundations in that hub season as well. And obviously, you know, we had a couple of people pull out of that season and we could have been much different uh, than what we ended up. But um, it is what it is. Yeah, timing hasn't always been great, but I've been able to achieve some other things and ultimately – uh, you know, a WNBL championship wasn't one of them, but I'm I'm quite happy and, and satisfied with what I got out of my career. I reckon most people will be quite happy and satisfied with a couple of Olympics and a World <laughs> Cup silver medal. And as we said, all the other individual accolades that you managed to achieve. Well, the Lynx are going very, very well at the moment, although they had an up and down period during their stay at home. So if we go to the Dribble Podcast MVP votes from the last couple of games, from the match against Adelaide, it was one vote Marina Mabry for 17 points from only 15 minutes on court. Two votes to Lauren Scherf for 16 points seven rebounds and one block and three votes to Sammy Wickham with 18 points five rebounds six assists and four steals and in the Canberra game it would have been nice to have given Jackie Young all six votes but that's not the system we have in place so it was one vote to Alex Gibatoni two votes to Marina Mabry and three votes to Jackie Young 36 points three rebounds three assists and three steals it was amazing those 36 points uh, she absolutely dominated now let's see how good your memory is Katie because we've seen some good performances this year if I say 22 points, 15 assists, 7 rebounds and 1 steal. Do you remember the game you did that for Perth? Um, 
Um, I believe it was a home game. Yes, it was. Possibly against Adelaide because I remember Nicole Seacamp got quite a few assists in that one as well, which is a bit crazy. Yeah, it was. It was Adelaide in October 2019. That's, that's the best game I ever saw you play live, like 22 points and 15 assists. Like When you got on a roll, like you were able to do so much in, in games. You could play so many different roles, so many different positions and do so many things. When you get in a role like that sort of game, what's it like? Oh, it just, yeah, it seems like everything you do just um, turns to gold sometimes, like whether it's shooting and all the little ones that go, that are 50-50, they all go in. Um, all the, the iffy passes that might get deflected one game, that game, it goes straight to hands and then they're able to put the basket in, which is obviously the big the big factor of, of getting an assist is the basket needs to go in as well, right? So, um, yeah, those games, they're they're fun. You're just in a bit of a state of flow, uh, and everything everything's kind of going your way essentially, rather than it kind of rolling the other way. It's just one of those games sometimes. Well, that 15 assists is the franchise record for the Lynx, and no one else has them even in double figures. So it shows how dominant you were that game. We mentioned that you're in Sydney. Are you dry? Are you okay up there? <laughs> yes, it's been dry the last uh, the last few days, which is good. So yeah, there's a fair bit of rain in a in a short amount of time. But um, it's all it's all drying out, thank goodness. And what about the family in Newcastle? Has that been affected up there? They're all good. You know, my dad's um, from a place called Kyogle up near Lismore in northern New South Wales. So he has quite a few friends affected um, by the floods up there, unfortunately. So, yeah, we, we know people in, in different circumstances. So, yeah, if, if anyone is able to to, uh, to help out with the flood appeals and, and donations and stuff like that, it's all um, obviously going to a really worthy cause. And you're a very proud Newcastle girl and you, you, you've um, you were very proud of playing against your sister a couple of years ago as well. I made you cry when I interviewed you about that, which was, um, <laughs> which was uh, rather unusual at the time, given how uh, you weren't prepared for that. But um, can you see yourself teaming up and playing uh, together at, at any point, going back to um, Newcastle and having s- some games? Or uh, are you well and truly done from that perspective as well? Uh, I mean, I you know, I'll never say never. At the moment, I'm definitely, yeah, not playing for the foreseeable future. Um, but, you know, who knows in the coming years what will happen. And, and I'm still... Uh, really close to Newcastle and my sister's there as well obviously so we'll never say never it's always nice I wasn't able to, to play with her or against her too many times just because of our a bit of an age gap so whenever and if ever we get the chance we'll uh, yeah we'll definitely see if we can make it happen and the Lynx are going to round out their season with games again Sydney and then followed by two in, in Townsville if they finish on top that will mean that they will fly back from Townsville on the Monday and play on the Wednesday um that, is that, would that be pretty brutal? Would that be difficult to do, getting back from the, the, that trip from Townsville for only um, a, a Wednesday game? Or do you think that, that they might push to try to get that game on a Thursday if it works out? What do you think would be the best from an athletic point of view? Oh, I mean, yeah, the trip to Townsville is always pretty brutal and the trip home. So um, anything you can kind of do to extend that that period in between is obviously ideal. But, um, yeah, depends obviously how the girls are feeling and how they pull up from that game as well. So, yeah, all kind of depends on what the game's like to be honest. I've asked several former Lynx players this in recent weeks. What would it mean to you if they won it? Oh, I mean, you know, it would be great. It's been a little while since the, the Lynx have won. I can't... When was the last time? 1992? Yeah. So, wow. It would be... Yeah, it would be really cool. As I said, they've been been so close over the last few years. Um, and, yeah, for them to win, it would obviously be great. And having played with a lot of them um, last season, 
and uh, it will be really nice to see them have that success and, and head coach Ryan Patrick and, and everyone involved in the club as well. They've obviously put a lot into it um, over the last few years and, yeah, it would be a worthy, a worthy moment for them to celebrate for sure. And just finally, we have a segment on the Dribble podcast called This or That. Just jump to one side of the fence on a question. And we saw the bizarre scenario on Monday of Oklahoma City and Memphis walking out into court in the NBA in the same coloured uniforms. White is a fairly standard uh, go-to for most sports these days as, as an alternate option. Do you think white is the good way to go and just have everyone wearing white? Or should everyone just find a second colour and we can make sure we don't clash that way? Yeah, everyone just needs to have their ideal colour, like their own colour, and then white is for, you know, the rarity rather than being the uh, most common option for sure. Like there just needs to be their own colours and then, yeah, white needs to be non-existent, I think. It's so much better that way, I reckon. You can look, you can turn on any game yeah. and know who's playing as opposed to having exactly. to figure out who's actually out on court because every single team who goes away is, is wearing white. That never made sense exactly. to me. Well, it will be a clash again this week. It'll be a clash of Katie's former teams with the Lynx playing the Sydney Flames and they're off to Townsville, as I said, for, for two games to round out their season. So we wish them luck in those final matches. Well, thanks for, for joining us, Katie. You were an absolute star. We've spoken many times in many places around the world while you're playing and it's great to hear that your life is going so well for you in Sydney in retirement. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for the Dribble Podcast this week. Keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news and pick up your copy of The West Australian. Thanks to Samantha Rogers for all her production work. Thanks to Vic Law and Katie Ebsery for their time. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Dribble Podcast. Woo!